Alrighty, friends. Uh, Luke chapter 17, verse 1. Then he said unto the disciples, It is impossible but that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he cast into the sea, than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. Watch yourself, he said. If your brother trespass against you, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against you seven times in a day, seven times in a day, turn again and says, man, I'm sorry I blew it, you know. Thou shalt forgive him. Now, just a little side, just a little side. This is not the main message, but we have to cover this repeatedly because it keeps coming up. It comes up all the time. In my Christian experience, over 30 years now, it comes up all the time. Go back to what Jesus, I said what Jesus said. Not what you, th praise the Lord, everybody happy? Everybody good? Not what, not what I think. Not what I feel. Not the situational ethics. Well, you see, Brian, there's kind of a different situation here, you see. Oh, no, they didn't. <laughs> it's what does Jesus say? He said, take heed to yourself. Watch yourself. Now, when Jesus says, watch it, man, you know you're getting close to the edge. You know, if any of you have, a, you know, you're raising a child, and they start getting close to the, edge, to the curb or something, or they start wandering out in the parking lot. Watch it. Come on, come, get, get back over here. Get back over here, right? I said get back over here. Right? Is that how you talk to your kids? Amen. Well, you better. Right? That's the way Jesus talks to his kids, too. Take heed, smile, Pastor. This is good news for God's people. Amen. Take heed to yourself. If your brother trespass against you, rebuke him. Now, what does that mean? That means put him on blast on Instagram. Right? I ain't getting no amens, no holy grunts, no nothing here. Is everybody okay? You got the coffee going? We all good? Got enough high fructose corn syrup flowing here today? Everybody cool? If he trespass against you, if he makes you mad, if he crosses the line, what do you got to do? Who's, the ball is in whose court now? Fine. The offended person. If my brother has done something that makes me mad, whose problem is that? Fine. My problem. Right. It's not his problem. It's my problem. Because he made me mad. I'm the one with the hang-up. I'm the one with the burr under my saddle. Amen. Glory to God. So whose problem is it? So what do I got to do about it? Go to that person. Leave all your weapons at home. <laughs> Don't take a Swiss Army knife. Huh? Don't take a piece of rope. Nothing. Go to that person. And as gently and as humbly as you are able, say, you know what? It could be me, but I'm a little, still a little bit hacked off by what you said or did to me. It, it could be me. It probably is me. But I think it's you. <laughs> Amen! Let's have a little bit of humility, a little bit of honesty. You know, it could be me. It, it's called back and forth. It's called an exchange. Not just me dumping a bunch of stuff, ventilating on you, and then splitting and hightailing it back to my house. Yeah. Ah! That's right. Give them a chance to give them a chance to speak. Are you afraid of what they have to say? They may have something good for you. 
Praise your holy name, Lord Jesus. Oh, I worship you, Lord. Give the other fella a chance to talk. But you know what? If you're, ha if you're hung up on something that somebody did, you must. I said M-U-S-T, gots to. Go to that person. And take the first step. It takes courage, man. It takes courage. This culture, we're so, we're, we're hide behind smartphones. We're sending emails. Praise the Lord Jesus. Oh, I worship you, Lord. Who's your friend now? I'm here to help you, man. This is the gospel. This is the red letters in your Bible. Go to him and rebuke him. Hey, you got to lay it on the line. You got to give it to him straight. I'm hacked off because you did this. And I'm going to give you a little bit of friendly, friendly neighborhood preacher advice. Use I statements. Not you stink, you smell, you're a dummy, you are going to hell. None of that. Say, I feel upset. I, my feelings are hurt. I wish you hadn't done that. I feel like this when you did that. Who loves you, baby? Come on. Husbands and wives, this is how you work stuff out. Is it, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. It's a lot easier to send a text message. Oh, I worship you, Jesus, right? It takes a lot more courage to say, you know what, darling, when you did that, that hurt my feelings. Hmm. Now, listen, if you're a Christian, you want, you've got to understand that they're telegraphing to you that they're obeying Jesus, right? If my brother, my sister, my husband, my wife, my son, my daughter, yes, my full-grown son has every right to come to me and say, Dad, you know, you kind of drive me nuts when you do this, amen? Can you imagine that I could actually drive somebody nuts? Hard to believe, isn't it? Ask people to live with me. Amen. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. But they're telegraphing to you that they're trying to obey God here. When they come to you and say, you know, my feelings are hurt because of what you said. As a Christian, come on, give in a little bit and, and hear them out. Don't say, I think you're nuts. You always say that kind of stuff. Remember, uh, magnanimous statements are never true. You always do this. You never do that. I wish you'd do this because you never do that. Those are magnanimous statements and they're never 100% true. Ah, it's politics. Politics, there's a little bit of truth to make the other, the other guy feel bad so you can win. That's not what this is. It's not about me winning an argument. I mean, I can win arguments all day long and have no friends. <laughs> I'm really good at that. I'm too good at that. I have to learn how to let the other guy speak a little bit. I have to learn how to let the other, the other girl, you know, have her say so. That's a child of God. Let them have their say so. Do everything you can to make this work out, please. And then what does he say? If he repent, what, 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 what? If he repents, then forgive him. You know, we've had people sending I through the years. Pretty amusing, actually. If you look back at it in retrospect sometimes, it's, it's, it's laughable. It's hilarious. People will come to us and say, well, you did this to me, but I forgive you. Wait a minute. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, start talking, work things out, and if you can convince them of your position that you have a valid point, if you can convince them that you have a valid point, is that what he's saying? Yes, he, that's exactly what he's saying. If you and I, through 
interpersonal communication and fellowship can reach an agreement that, you know what, you probably got a pretty good point there. I think I was kind of a horse's rear end last week when I said that to you. Amen. That's repent. That's me taking ownership that I screwed up. If he repent, forgive him. Then the ball's back in your court because you convinced me that I was wrong. Now my responsibility is to say, all right, I'm going to let you off the hook. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to tell God to smite you with the botch of Egypt now, right? And the emeralds and the stab and the itch whereof thou canst not be healed. Come on, take the, come on, take the, break, take the brakes off. Let, let them go free. So you know what? You heard me. I feel, I'm starting to feel better now. God bless you. I'm, I'm so glad you heard me, right? If they'll hear you, you got a fighting chance. And he says, if they repent, forgive him. We, again, we've had people come to us and say, well, you, you did this. That made me mad, but I forgive you, but I'm never talking to you again. That's antichrist. It's against what Christ said. It's antichrist. Are we on YouTube? Are we live on YouTube around the world? Well, glory to God. Let people get saved out there by the word of God. Amen. If he repent, forgive him. Right? And if he, if he does it again. <laughs> and what's the dirty little secret? He's going to do it again. Huh? Ask my wife. Right? <laughs> She's still working with me. She's about got me house broke now, you know, after 20 years. Almost. I pick up my stuff sometimes, right? Other times she's like, oh, yeah, please look at that pile that you're accumulating over there by your easy chair. Could you please scrape that off into a wheelbarrow and take it back to the dungeon? Please, for the love of God, clean that up. All right, I'm working on it. So every now and then I do it without being told. Say progress. Say progress. Amen. <laughs> every now and then and when every time I do it I want a parade right Cindy every time I pick up my dirty socks I want I mean three days off <laughs> four day weekend <laughs> no. oh Lord Jesus if he does it again seven times in a day and says man I screwed up what are you supposed to do what does forgive him mean it means restored fellowship. Friends, listen to me. These people that say, I forgive you, but I'm never speaking to you again, there's no fellowship. You're violating one of the most foundational principles and the commandment of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He said, love one another as I have loved you. If you give no open, if you give your brother that loves God just like you do, zero opportunity to make things right. Amen. You're blocking fellowship, and you're blocking blessing for you, not for me. I'm blessed. You know why? Because I'm always open to reconciliation. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you do to me. My feelings could even be hurt, and they have been from time to time. I'm growing up a little bit. I said I'm growing up a little bit. So I don't get my feelings hurt every time over the same stupid stuff every time after 57 years of walking this thing amen not everything gets me so bent out of shape like it did last time you're supposed to be we're supposed to be making some progress in this can you say amen right. this is good preaching here today <clears throat> 
I repent, you got to forgive him. Amen. And that means there's restored fellowship. What's fellowship? It means you and I, there's no masks between us. We're not actors. You get the real me. We're supposed to be giving people the, 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 the real thing. Not a mask. <clears throat> well, I love you, Lord. What's the next verse, please? <clears throat> and the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Oh, God, now what are we going to do? We ain't got enough faith. You don't need more faith. He said, increase, the, 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 the apostles, they heard this whole thing about getting right with your brother and your sister, and they, they think they don't have enough faith to obey God. Do you see that? You got to see this. They think they don't have enough faith to obey God. Does Jesus agree with them? No. You know, a lot of times it's just, he is, that's why we call him the master. Because he takes apart our religiosity one block at a time until the whole thing is gone. Increase our faith, oh God! Increase my faith so I can obey you! <laughs> Jesus says, uh, well, got a little story here for you. If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, say faith as a seed. Faith as a seed. So is he saying, y'all got, pl is, he all, is he saying, well, you know. Yeah, that's right, we need to increase your faith and then I'm sure you'll be able to obey me someday in the sweet by and by. That's not what he says. He says, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, did you notice we got some green stuff sticking up here in our, in our fourth jar now? Did you notice that? Look at that. Notice, notice that this one here, this was the heart that's full of good things but no time for Jesus. And this one looks a lot better than this one. A lot of times we look at people and we think, man, how, they don't even go to church and they're doing way better than I am. Just hide and watch. I said, just hide and watch. The day is going to come when you're going to be glad you stayed with it. Mark my words, I said. If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say to this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea and it should obey you. Next, please. So he said, if you had faith like a seed, you'd say something and it would happen, right? They're saying, I can't forgive my brother. I don't know how to work out all this stuff with my brother. They made me mad. They hurt my feelings. And it's just, just too big for me, man. I just got to walk away. I just cannot deal with all of this conflict, yo. Isn't that what they said? He said, man, if you had any faith, you'd be able to move mountains with a word. Is that what he's saying? But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by when he's come in from the field, go sit down to meet. So when, this is back in the day when there was, and listen, slavery is just a fact of life throughout human history, still is. The Bible doesn't say, you know, uh, actually the Bible does say after seven years you're supposed to let every slave go free. The Bible is very clear about how the master is supposed to treat this, the slave. And it's very clear about how the slave is supposed to respond to the master. The Apostle Paul said, you doulos, 
Remember that your master is a brother in Christ. You show him honor and respect, right, and obey. Wow, that's not very politically correct. No, it's not. But which of you having a servant or a doulos, look it up, it means slave, plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by when he's coming from the field, you're done with your work for the day? Well, then just go, go crash, man. Let's go take the rest of the day off. Is that what the master says to the servant? No way. What does he say? He's rather, he's going to say no, he's not going to say that. He's going to say this, will not rather say unto him, Man, make me something to eat. Change them field clothes and put on your house clothes. Make me something to eat. Serve me. And when I'm full, then you can go have you something to eat. Now, is that, is that, fair? Is that the way this is supposed to work? Next verse. Does he thank that servant because he did what he was supposed to do? I trow not. There's just some delicious Elizabethan English. It means I don't hardly think so, bro. Okay, let's read it like that. Does he throw a party for that servant because he just did what he was told to do? Friends, look at me. Does heaven throw a party for you every single time you come to church and do what God told you to do? Is there 10 new Mercedes in your driveway every time you pay your tithes? No. I trow not. <laughs> I wish they was. Boy, wouldn't that be handy. Some of them, they say that's what we say. The, the critics, they say that's what we say in the faith movement. They say, well, all you got to do is put $5 in the offering and make a few faith confessions and all your dreams going to come true. That's not what we say. I don't know anybody stupid enough to believe that. And I've never heard any preacher dumb enough to preach that. I preach faith as a seed, rigorously. That's how faith works. It's not magic. There's hindrances to faith. Only one out of four worked. <laughs> Praise the Lord Jesus, amen. Next verse, please. Yeah. So likewise, he, he said, in just the same way, so likewise you. Listen to me, friends. We are sons and daughters of God that have volunteered for servanthood in the kingdom of God. We have relinquished our sonship rights for servanthood. Seek ye first what? Get out of debt. Seek ye first what? A new Cadillac? Seek ye first what? A debt-free home? Seek ye first what? Perfect health and a perfect marriage? Is that what he said? No. Seek ye first what? The kingdom, the kingdom of God and his way of doing life. And all that stuff will take care of itself. You take care of my business, the king says, and I'll take care of yours. We don't want it that way. We say, take care of me first. Gimme, give gimme, give gimme. Give my name is Jimmy. I'll take all you gimme. Amen. Gimme all my stuff. And when all my stuff is cool, then I'll serve you, Jesus. Amen. That's not the way she wiggles. That's not the way this works. Amen. Amen. We are sons and daughters that have chosen a life of service to God. You might as well just get used to it. 
You know you've only got a short amount of time anyway till Jesus comes. You might as well just go ahead and say, I'm a doulos. I'm a slave of Jesus. That's what Paul said. And you don't have to. You don't have to. But you'll be glad you did. That's the gospel. So likewise you, when you have done everything that the master commanded you to do, say, well, you know, that's just what I'm supposed to do anyway. You don't have to throw me no party. That's, that's the attitude of a, of a household servant or a slave. He doesn't expect a party because he went out and hoed the field for eight hours and all he has time to do is wash his face, change clothes, and make supper for the master. He doesn't want a party when he comes in from the field and say, throw me the party and then I'll get cleaned up for, and make you some something to eat. That is not, that is not the, is that the attitude of a servant? That's not the attitude of a servant, is it? The servant just shows up whenever he's, whenever he's called upon. Now, if the master is a good master, he's going to give him time off and give him blessings. You know, if you look at some of the slaves in the Bible, some of them were fabulously wealthy and politically influential. I'm thinking of Joseph. He was sold into slavery. He embraced it. Read the story. We're not going to take time to read it today. Read the book of Genesis. <laughs> Your assignment for next week. He embraced slavery. And he became the most politically influential man on earth in a moment's time. Because he embraced servanthood. He was a son that was severed from relationship with his father. But he made himself a servant and his relationship with his father was restored. Wow. That's powerful, friend. That is powerful. That is powerful. Praise the Lord. Are you all happy? You all getting something out of this today? Let me give you some anti-faith about faith. Are you ready for this? You might want to write some of this down. I don't know if they... I didn't give them time to put it up there, but you might want to take careful note of some of these things here. I'm going to make some statements that you'll never hear in church your whole life. <laughs> All right? This is anti-faith about faith. Or this is the things that we believe that are against real Bible faith. Here's one of them. Believing that we must recite a long roster of confessions every day for days, weeks, months, or years in order to receive supernatural results. Now, if that don't grate against your word of faith doctrine, I don't know what will. We believe that we got to say something. And listen, listen, I mean, I've written down these long confessions volumes of them. I have them in my notes where I go through a long list of scriptures every day. And you know the funny thing is is that eventually you're going to stop doing that. I don't care what your name is. I don't care how much faith you got. You're eventually going to come to a place where you stop doing it, I said. It may take you 20 years, but you're eventually going to come to a place where, you know what, I just ain't got time for that today, or I'm tired of saying that, or I just feel like I'm reciting a bunch of blah, 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 blah. And you're going to stop doing it. Ain't no, I ain't getting no amens, no holy grunts, no nothing here. I know what I'm talking about. 
I've written these long confessions with every scripture that covers every single possible scenario you could ever meet up with in life. And I said it and 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 said it. And then I just laid it aside. You know why? Anybody want to hazard a guess why I stopped doing it? Huh? Results? Well, yeah, it starts working. Here's the thing. We build the, the Word of God into our lives for a purpose, to effect change, I said. And once that change takes place on the inside of me, it's kind of like, it's kind of like anything else. <clears throat> now, don't get me wrong. Don't, get, don't, say, don't, go, don't leave this place and say, Pastor Brian says we don't have to speak the Word of God no more. I still speak the Word of God. But I don't have to spend 30 minutes running over the exact same scriptures every single day or I feel like somehow like my life ain't going to work out right. I tell you what, I'm stronger than that. Uh, there's things that I said 30 years ago that are working today. That's why I put my head on the pillow at night and nothing bothers me, I said. I dealt with all that stuff that bothered me at night a long time ago. And so will you. And then you're going to sleep real good. Amen. Amen? See, I, I, I feel like I'm just running up against something here a little bit. That's okay. I'm, 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 I'm going to show you this in the Bible. I'm going to show you what we're talking about here. Here's another anti-faith about faith. Believing that associating with people of lesser faith will somehow erode or pollute my faith. Now, I know people and so do you. That won't have nothing to do with me or you. Because they think we're not purists. Right? We're, 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 we're not quite right when it comes to the word of faith or their religion or their religiosity. I've had people come to our church and kind of look down their nose at me. Say, well, I've been a Kenneth Copeland partner for 35 years. And they got aches and pains and problems. The, all of those 35 years that they've never dealt with, even though they can go through a long laundry list of confessions till the cows moo. Yeah. And they won't associate with me. <laughs> For whatever reason. They think I'm somehow lesser. Because I don't demand religious conformity. I don't demand that you go through a long laundry list of my word of faith conformity every single day. Friend, you look at the people in the Bible that got results. They were street folks like you and me. Look at the woman with the issue of blood in Mark chapter 5. She said it and said it and said it and said it and said it. And then what? And then what? And then what? She did something about it. I said something to my phone on the way to church here. Let's see. I didn't spell check it or nothing. I didn't have my glasses on going through red lights and everything here. Let's see what comes up here. Faith that never produces action or change has not yet become fully formed faith. Now listen, I'm not criticizing you for making your faith confessions. But sooner or later, bud... Your confession has to turn into reality. 
Sooner or later, your confession must produce faith-filled action or it's just religion. And all God's people sat there in stunned silence, right? <laughs> Come on, man. This is the truth. The woman with the issue of blood, read it. She said it and 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 said it. And then what? She did it. She came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. And immediately she felt in her body that the issue of blood had, had dried up. Then she knew it. Then she told it. That's not how we do it anymore. We start telling it before we know anything. Then we wonder why we never feel anything. Woo! That's good preaching there. Amen. I got another one for you. Can you stomach another one here? Genuine faith will eventually demand action. I mean, I know people that, I mean, they're purists. Been to all the conventions. Got all the tapes, all the CDs, all the flash drives. <laughs> they follow all the right people on Instagram. Ain't got enough faith to blow their nose. <laughs> Can you say amen? Can you give me anything here today? Do I have any friends in the house here today? Pharisees demand conformity signs. And they're impossible to convince of the unseen. It is impossible to convince a Pharisee of the unseen realities of faith. All right, let's keep moving here. <clears throat> Listen to me carefully, please. Obedience requires little or almost no faith. That's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 17. They said, Master, increase our faith. Why? So you can do what I told you to do? You don't need faith to forgive your brother, to walk in love, to follow Christian conflict resolution as I have outlined it for you. That does not require no faith, friend. That only requires simple obedience. Woo, that's a golden nugget from heaven right there. Obeying God don't take no faith. It takes obedience. <laughs> Praise the Lord, I'm trying to be sweet. I want to say this in a way that can help you. Faith is produced by momentary hearing. You don't have to hear the truth for 30 years before you can be moved to faith-filled action. The woman with the issue of blood, she heard of Jesus. How much do you think she heard? She didn't have a smartphone. She didn't have Fox News. She didn't have none of that. All she heard was, there's a man down there. They say he's the Messiah. He's healing people. And she's... And then that moved her to do something about it. And she got results. And she don't have near what you got. She, don't have, she didn't have 1% of the word that you got. Faith is produced by momentary hearing. If there's action that, co that corresponds to that hearing. But if I cannot be convinced to act on the word of God, it's not real faith. 
I said it's not real faith. It's something else. I don't know what it is. It's a religion that we have made out of the word of faith. Where you can just make a bunch of confessions, go to conventions, and never get results, and you're satisfied. I'm not going to live that way. I've got to have me some results. You know, when I lay my head on the pillow at night, i got no worries. I said zero fears and zero worries. Amen. 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 If you're going through the Christian life, burdened, in strife, divided, you're not doing it right. You're not doing the Christian life right. Minimal and rudimentary attention enables anyone to act in divine faith. We think you've got to go to 30 conventions before you can finally get up that mountain, boy. Friend, all you've got to do is pay attention for a little bit, and there's enough divine faith for anybody to act and change their world. The problem is it's, it's hard to get people to act. Ooh, thank you, preacher. That's good preaching there, preacher. That's good. I like that. Hard to get people to act. Amen? It's hard to get people to act in faith. It's not hard to get faith in them. There's enough faith swimming around this room right now, I mean, to change the world. But can we act on it? Can we make a decision, a life-changing decision from which there is no retreat and about which there is no further discussion to act in faith so help me Jesus if it if it kills me that's the only question because the, the, the thing is is that you know when we run up against a little bit of persecution or affliction we endure but for a time because there's stony places in our heart there's things that should have never been there that we didn't deal with yeah but what, what about what they done did to me you got to get over it. I said get over it. You know, if you read there in Mark chapter 4, it says immediately they're offended. We talked about this. Why are they immediately offended? There's no time lapse whatsoever between the time that they hear the word and they get offended. Why is that? Because they're already offended. They like being offended. They live on offended street, on feeling hurt row. <laughs> right? And everything you do is going to offend them. Praise the Lord. Love you, Jesus. Who's my friend? Who's my friend? Amen. One decision of faith will move mountains. <laughs> Who's your friend here? Come on. I said one decision of faith will move mountains. Do you want to live in the supernatural? Who wants to live yes, in the supernatural? I Say, I will, I will live, live by faith. So you basically got to make up your mind whether I ever get any results or not. This is my lifestyle. That's it. No looking back. Jesus said you put your hand to the plow and look back. Oh, I wish I had things the way it used to be back there when I was getting high. He said, if you look back, we're not fit for the kingdom of God, right? But if you're ready to make a, I mean, a decision of quality, to live by faith. One decision of faith will move mountains. What are the mountains in your life that you've been dealing with over and 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 over again? 
We're supposed to move mountains. You know, in Deuteronomy chapter one, he says, y'all been going around this mountain long enough. Up, get you into the promised land. The promised land is a picture of our rights and privileges in Christ Jesus. There's warfare involved with entering your promised land, friend. The promised land is not heaven. There's no giants in heaven. I got one little tidbit for you, somewhat of a doctrinal statement for you here. I want you to cogitate about this just a little bit. There's no warfare in the throne room, in case you're wondering. There's nobody in the throne room accusing you anymore. I don't care what who said. Satan is cast out. Jesus has entered the holy place once and for all with his blood in your name. So you can go in there unhindered, unaccused. Unopposed. <laughs> Woo! There's nobody in there saying, well, Brian ain't worthy. Jesus said, come on, you're my son, you're worthy. My blood made you worthy. Come on in here, get whatever you need, whatever you want, I said. What things soever you desire, when you pray, you believe them and you shall have them. That's what he said to me. One decision of faith will move mountains, I said. If you have faith as a seed. All right, I'm going to show you some of these characters in the Bible real quickly here. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. <clears throat> when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lies at the... Uh, read it, look at it in, in your concordance. He says, my slave. This is a centurion. He's, he, what's a centurion? He's a Roman soldier. The Romans were occupying Israel. They were the enemy. They were hated. And this is one of the uh, soldiers that was enforcing a foreign occupation of your homeland. What would that be like if we went outside here and there's Nazi soldiers standing at the front door of the church checking to see who comes in here? And one of them comes in here and says, Brian, would you please come pray for my slave? That's about what it's like, except I'm not on the same level with the Messiah, obviously. Just representing him here today in this room. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, the centurion came to Jesus and said, Lord, my servant is lying at home, sick of the palsy, probably a brain stem injury. Can you say amen? Or a spinal cord injury. Or some birth defect that caused, you know, cerebral palsy of some kind. Grievously tormented. I mean, we forget how blessed we are. Visit, I mean, visit uh, a hospital sometime. And take a look at somebody that hadn't been out of bed in years. Hasn't spoken a word. Can't take care of themselves. Don't know if it's day or night. We can get up and go to church and praise God. We want to gripe about little stuff. Grievously tormented. Now see, this, this rugged so Roman soldier had enough compassion to, to make a move here. He's not just staying at home making faith confessions. He decided to get up and go do something about it. Now, Jesus could have told him, get out of here, man. 
You smell. I mean, you're a Roman soldier. You're, you guys ain't even supposed to be up in here. You know? You're the wrong political party. <laughs> right? Can you believe that people won't talk to you because of an election? If that don't tell you we're in the end times, brother, I don't know what do, does, will. Are you serious? I have friends that have not spoken to me since November 2016. And I'm just not that political in public. I mean, me and my family, we talk about it a little bit sometimes, but I'm just not that political in public. I really, you know, I really don't care. I go in there and vote, and that's about it for me. I pray for the people that are in there, whether I like them or not. You pay your nickel, you take your chances, leave it all behind and go on with life. That we're not there no more. Now it's, you know, this, everything's divided. If I think you voted for somebody I don't like, then I'm never speaking to you again. I won't go to your church. I won't come. I'm, I'll put you on blast on Pinterest or something, I guess. I don't know. I will come and heal him. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, I'll come heal him. That's the way we ought to talk. When we know somebody's sick or ailing or being tormented, we should be ready. You, I said, should be ready, willing, and able. You have the Messiah in you. You are the church. You're the body of Christ. I'll come heal them. No, I, no, I, you know, and we always make these balancing statements. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not the healer and yada, 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 blah, blah. Is, did Jesus say that? No, Jesus said, I'll come heal them. Amen. Jesus said, go heal the sick. Yes, sir, I'll go heal the sick. Simple stuff. If you take the religion out, you have healing power in your hands. Go use it on somebody. I said, faith, one decision of faith will move mountains. You don't have to feel nothing. You don't have to feel anything. Just go over there and say, I'm going to lay hands on you. When I do, you're going to get well. That's the way you need. Amen. Next verse, please. The centurion answered and said, Lord, you know, you don't have to come to my house. I'm not worthy. <laughs> you know, on the other hand, look at, look at the, the, the other way of looking at this. Well, maybe we shouldn't look at that side. Let's just keep moving here, okay? I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. All you got to do is say it. He understood faith as a seed. Jesus said if you had faith as a seed, you'd say. How come the Roman centurion understands that faith works as a seed and people that go to word, faith, churches don't know that? They think it's magic. And the Roman centurion knows that faith is, works as a seed. You've got to plant it. Speak the word only, my servant, my slave will be made whole. He will, experience, he will have sozo. One word. Jesus, you don't have to pray for me all night. You don't have to put me on the prayer chain for 30 days. You don't have to skip a meal for me. You don't have to get in your car and come over here because I'll feel better if you do. I'll feel like it's really working if you come to my house. Remember, Faith works whether you feel like it or not, bud. Whether you feel like it or not. Just plant a seed. Did, did, can anybody feel this thing growing here? I can't feel I mean, I can feel the thing in my hand, but I, I, I can't feel. That thing grows at night when you're sleeping and your mind's not on it. 
We think that faith is a mental exercise. I have to keep my mind on, these, on this faith stuff 24-7 or it don't work. But that's not the way this thing works, friend. Faith works like a seed. A seed is where people come from. I'm not going to give a little biology class here, but people come from seed. And the woman goes to sleep and forgets about it, and it's working. And, you know, a couple weeks later, she might say, oh, something's going on here. Is she trying to make it happen? No. Just, but she received the seed. And, buddy, it's working. And it's going to grow. And it's going to produce fruit. Amen. You can't stop it. Some people wish they could. But you can't stop it. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goes, to that guy, come, and he comes, and, and I recognize authority when you say it, Jesus. You, all you've got to do is say it one time, and it works. That's the kind of faith I want to live in. Well, what if it don't happen the first time? Well, I don't know. Did you believe it? You know, a lot of times we've got to, you know, cut to the chase here. Do we believe the stuff we're saying? Because that's... That's part of this that we have to understand is that when you're saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it, you may not believe it yet. But it may not be time to go public with it yet either. Over and out. Hello. Amen. Because faith comes by hearing. If we can be convinced to move and act upon that faith. But I think some of us have gotten stuck in that saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it stuff. And we're thinking... When's God going to do something? God's up there saying, when are you going to do something? you got to harvest. Jesus said, when the harvest has come, immediately he puts in the sickle. Well, how will I know when the harvest has come? Can you imagine a farmer standing out there in the field? saying, well, how am I supposed to know when it's time to harvest? Man, it is in you. It is in the wind. It is, it is in your mind. It is in your spirit. You look at that field and you're waiting for just the right moment. And man, they hit it hard when it's time for harvest. Amen? Amen? We know when it's time for harvest. And remember, go back to the first message I preached on this series. You harvest with your mouth. You say, that's mine. That's mine. And then you act like it. I gave you the example of my radio bills many years ago where I was, I was behind a couple of months on my radio bills, and you, know, you get really get tired of that, you know? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Being behind on bills? I'm the only one, huh? And uh, I just said, Lord, I'm just not doing this no more. I said, I need $5,000 but right now. Amen. I got to have it right now. I, I'm not doing this anymore. You didn't call me to this ministry to suffer and struggle like this. I'm not doing this. So I'm claiming $5,000, and I think I wrote it down on a sticky note and stuck it on my dashboard of my car or something. It wasn't a million words. It was just a couple of lines on a sticky note. Man, I've got results again and again with just a, a few words, not a billion words. I had that old Reza, Reva Porsche call me like the next day and say, I just got this big old stash of money here. I'm looking for somewhere to sow seed, and your name keeps coming up. I said, go for it, lady. <laughs> Help yourself. P.O. Box 351555 Westminster, Colorado. Amen. And I had the money like in a day or two. But between the time that I said I got to have the $5,000 and I saw it in the mailbox, what do you got in there? Rest. You got rest. 
You got to rest. If there's no rest in your spirit, you're not there yet. That doesn't make you a bad person, but let's cut to the ch- let's 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 look at this with some degree of practicality and say, all right, look at look at your seasons. You got springtime is what planting. Summer is what it, it's 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 testing. It's also growing in water, yes, but it's it's really testing because when it's a hundred degrees and you've got something growing out there in the field, man, you got to get some seasonal rains on that thing, right? You're hoping for the, that uh, monsoonal. Uh, afternoon and evening uh, rain showers like we get here in Colorado when the weather patterns are correct. Because I don't care if it is 100 degrees. If you can get five minutes of rain every day, you're fine. Amen. So summer is a time of testing. Spring is planting. Summer is testing. Fall is what? Harvest. Winter is what? Rest. Rest. Because you're living off (laughs) the fat of the land, right? You're living off your harvest. There should be a time in all of our lives when we're living off our harvest. Now, I know I'm speaking to you by the Spirit today. And, and, and we're covering a lot of things. But I want you to take this. I will put this on a podcast. This is, this is a prophetic word today for the church. This is the Holy Ghost speaking to our church today. <clears throat> so what did Jesus say? The centurion says... Uh, You know, I tell my servant, do this, and he does it. I recognize the voice of authority I see in you, Jesus. I know that when you speak, things change. So I know all you got to do is say it, and my my child, my uh, servant will be healed. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those, he turns around and talks to the people that are following him. It was kind of like in Forrest Gump when Forrest is running down the road and all those people chasing after him, right? And the centurion comes up and confronts him, so to speak. And they have this conversation. Jesus turns around to the crowd. And what does he say? Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. He says, in the household of faith, I don't find faith. How could it be? How could it be? Look at the previous episode. Go back here to verse 1. Chapter 8, verse 1. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Next. Behold, there came a leper. Worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt. Now, if this guy was a foreigner, the Bible would have said so. This was a Jew. This is one of the seed of Abraham. And what's he saying? Lord, if, if you wanted to. He's not acquainted with the character of God. He's not acquainted with the scriptures. He doesn't know who God is. He doesn't know if God wants him sick or wants him well. And we, sometimes we question, God, why are you doing this to me? Why is all of this happening? Well, buddy, it's not God doing that to you. God is good. I, I might do a, a, a series on that in the new year. God is good. We got to get that inside our coconut that God is good. He's wondering, Lord, is it your will to heal me? Well, let me ask you. I, 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 I talked to my dad about this. You probably heard me say this. My dad was a medical doctor in heaven now. Three years. Whew. And I asked him. I cross-examined him. And I said, Dad. So, if somebody came to you and they're sick and you had the means, the know-how, the medicine 
to help them, and you didn't do that. What kind of doctor would you be? He said, not a very good one. Well, you know, my dad's a good man. Really good man. But dad, I gotta tell you, you're not as good as Jesus. It's not. God is good. There's no, nobody more good than God. Best person you know is not as good as God. And the household of faith don't know that. Lord, if you wanted to, I know you could heal me if you wanted to. I just don't know if you want to or not. And then he turns to the Roman centurion. The Roman centurion ain't asking about the will of God, is he? How come these people on the street don't care about what God's will is we in the church do? And the next verse, please. Jesus put forth his hand, slapped him, said, go back to church and quit smoking cigarettes, and then maybe someday I'll heal you. I don't know. Is that what he said? <laughs> I thought we'd break it up here a little bit. <laughs> One translation, Jesus said, of course I'm willing. How did you guys get the wrong idea about me? Of course I'm willing. Where did you guys get this stuff that I'm not willing? Of course I'm willing. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. He touched him. And it was anathema. It was, it was wrong to touch a, a leper. It was against the law of Moses. But you've got to understand. There's the spirit of the law. And there's the letter of the law. The spirit giveth life. But the letter killeth. Right? Well. <clears throat> amen, 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 amen. Thank you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord. I got a couple more here for you. Scroll down here to the to those couple lines in red. Strained. Do you see that? I don't know if you had time for that or not. Probably not. Strained religious faith must continually be reassured and massaged. Good job back there. Thank you. That's excellent. Strained religious faith must continually be reassured. And massaged. You're going to, yeah, it's so, you know, I think God's going to do it this time for you. God, don't, don't give up. You know, God's working for you. It's, uh, when we grow up in Christ, I'm not saying we can't have friends to bolster our faith and to reassure us. That's what your boost group is for. Amen. But it's funny. When you, when, you know, when you become a pastor and you, and, you, and you find out there's certain people that, all, that come to you and always have to have their faith reassured and massaged and they have to be told, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be okay. And I don't mind doing it. Listen. But if, I'm gonna, if you're going to come to me and, and ask me to pray for you, and, and I'll do it. Me and Cindy, that's our life. But you know what's going to happen next? We're going to give you a job. Amen. Because if you want to make it in the kingdom, it can't always be about you getting your prayers answered. Uh, 
And I get my prayers answered. And if you come here, I'm going to teach you how to get your prayers answered. Nevertheless, that's not the whole Christian life. We are sons and daughters of God that have chosen to lay down our lives to serve Him and obey Him. And that requires almost no faith. I've got two or three more examples here, but we've got to beat Flatirons Church to Wendy's here. So, And to get through that drive-thru, you'll never get yours, you know? <laughs> right? No cheese on that hamburger. Huh? No onions. Strained religious faith must continually be reassured and massaged. Buddy, when you got real, dynamic, kingdom faith, you're fearless and relentless right. and strong. And you're helping somebody, not always draining somebody. Amen. Next, please. Genuine faith embraces the battles of life and is cool under fire. Who's your buddy? Right. Come on, that's good. You've got, you got to take that home with you. Genuine faith embraces, not runs from. Oh my God, pray that all this pressure will come off of me. Well, how are you supposed to grow? Amen. Yeah. You know, I, Michael back there, he's, I mean, I, I threw him in wrestling and he, he wanted out. He, I mean, he's a great negotiator. Every year, <laughs> he tried to find a way out of it. One year he says, and I told him, I said, you, you don't want to wrestle, huh? All right, let's see, you, let's see you play baseball, football, track, something. Let's see something. So one time, he and uh, Andrew went across the street with a ball and a glove for about 20 minutes. <laughs> they came back and they said, all right, we're playing baseball now. Does that mean I have to wrestle next year? Yes! That's not enough. And we kept a minute, 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 and he got beat up for years. He went a year or two, didn't win anything. And every time he came off the mat, I had to reassure and massage him. <laughs> but you know, he came to a point where he didn't need that anymore. Because the battles of life hardened something in him where he embraced it. And that's where we got to get to. When you're a new, newborn pup in Christ, we go and hug you up. We're going to minister to your needs. Sooner or later, every single one of us got to put on the helmet like we mean business. Pick up our sword like the time is short and it's short. And recognize that you are in a warfare, a life and death struggle. Genuine faith embraces the battles of life and is cool under fire. Say amen. Say amen. Y'all could stand up, please. You've been very patient with me. Thank you. God bless you.
Amen.